0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. We are part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, continuing our West Virginia Big 12 opponent previews here with a stop in Manhattan, Kansas, with the inimitable Tim Fitzgerald of Go (laughs) Power Cat. One of our video inspirations here, you can catch him just about on a daily basis at the website talking about the Big 12, Kansas State. That's why we have him in. He knows all. He's here to share. Tim, tumultuous time. Um, Kansas State, promising, I think, for a lot of people, but is it impossible to pay attention to the one thing when the big thing is what might happen with the conference?
0: Yeah, you know, I've been through this a lot, <laughs> covering K State and uh, the Big 12 and all the peril that the conference and the school has been in in the past. And this really isn't the same thing. This is an opportunity for the Big 12 to be the aggressor. And I think the conference's change in leadership has signified that they will be aggressive really for the first time. Everything they've done so far, including adding West Virginia, was a reaction to something that happened to them. Uh, and this is different this is going to be a reaction to what's happening around college sports and taking advantage of it and i think the big 12 will grow at least to 16 in this time and <clears throat> make it a very very interesting entertaining conference
1: kind of hard to disagree with anything you just said there especially from the point of power that they seem to hold in their hand right now it's been like you said reactionary waiting for someone else to do something so they do something in response but now hey, they can strike first instead of striking back could be a big difference here um Let's stick to the product in the field. That's all right with you. I want to flash forward to the finish line here. Kansas state has, I I think ample momentum going into the season. We can cover explanations why, whether it's individually or collectively, but let's like, as I said, start at the end. When all is said and done here, what is this season like for Kansas state? Have they lived up to the expectations? Have they fallen short? Have they broken through in a way that we haven't seen in a while?
0: I think they, they could make a breakthrough. And I think fans are looking for that. They're, you know, this is a very intriguing season to all of us around K-State sports, whether it's a fan or, or someone that's covering it, such as us, because they did finish uh, with a nice win at the Texas Bowl over, yeah, a depleted LSU team, but the brand is the brand. Uh, and I think the, the team picked up a lot of momentum and confidence. They're recruiting at a higher level for the 23 class and they have in a very long time, in part because it's a just a really talent-rich year in the state of Kansas, which is a rare thing and they're taking advantage of that, including quarterback, running back, key positions. So uh, this season has the feeling like it could be leading into something even greater, even though they're coming off a nice eight-win season. Should have been, you know, probably nine. They, they absolutely floundered at Texas to close out the regular season, which was a disappointment, but that led to a change at offensive coordinator, and I, I think this team feels good about itself. I think the fans feel good about it, and and I think a lot of people were surprised when the All-Big 12 team just came out and the preseason won, and there were six Wildcats on the first team, the most of any team in the conference. And I think that signifies the kind of talent that Chris Klamin has slowly built in Manhattan.
1: Let's go back for one second to the LSU game. I don't care who who's on the field and who's getting ready for the draft. That is a win against an SEC power and LSU team that's going to be good, even on their second and third team. game wasn't close for a long, long time too. What type of catapult was that into the offseason and what's happening right now?
0: Uh, It it was a really nice catapult. And, you know, as I tell people, maybe those players for LSU weren't very experienced, but I think when we look back in five years, they had more NFL players on the field that day than Kansas State. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's just what it is. And that's kind of one of the Achilles heels of a Kansas State is, when you get to that second or third level of talent, there is a drop-off. You don't see at LSU or those other schools. So to go in there and completely handle the team and, <clears throat> you know, I think more significantly do so with the offense that had been somewhat inconsistent, you know, through the Chris Kleiman start at K-State. Uh, and for the first game as Colin Klein, you know, a legendary quarterback at K-State to be offensive coordinator and everything that look so smooth. Uh, polished, uh, laid out extremely well. The play calling had sequence to it, had a rhythm to it. And I I think it just boosted the optimism of the entire team because, you know, teams talk about, we're all in this together. You know, sometimes the defense has to carry us, sometimes the offense, but it's also a lie to say, boy, the defense gets tired of carrying the offense when they can't consistently perform. And that's probably where the locker room was. They were unified, but uh, you would prefer a little more help along the way, and, and they certainly saw that in, in Houston at the Texas Bowl, and a, a really nice showing for Skylar Thompson, who's now gone, uh, and the rest of that K-State team, including Deuce Vaughn.
1: Your answer for this one might come from that explanation you just provided us there, and that's okay, but you, you hit on some stuff that maybe we can get a little bit deeper into here. Um, Listen, people who follow your site, they, they know what they need to know about Kansas State, maybe more than they even need to know. I think if people from West Virginia's fan base want to know about Kansas State, they know where to go. So let's steer clear of the obvious answers here, because there are some, some pretty clear um, answers to this that we all know about. I'm more interested in the stuff that could be coming to the surface soon. So let's go off the radar a little bit. Who or what part of this team? Um, it could be an angle. It could be a development, a player, a coach. Who knows? Not quite at the top of the mind right now, but you've, you've got an, an inkling to pay attention to it. And October, November, it's going to become a real significant part of the explanation of this team's path. And people who are listening now are going to say, son of a gun, Fitz had that back in July when I heard him on that podcast. What, what's there for you that, that you think is going to be something worth, worth watching and tracking?
0: Well, everyone kind of learned who Felix Yuduke Uzama was as the season went on. Um, TCU certainly did. He recorded six sacks in the game. Uh, with the Frogs, and the NCAA uh, kind of took two away because, you know, just how <laughs> things are scored. It was unfortunate that he did his job too well and caused fumbles uh, that actually ended up as a carry for someone, not a sack for him. So um, <clears throat> just a weird thing. But he's not the only treat K-State has as its defensive end, its rush end uh, bag. And and Nate Matlack was a, a redshirt freshman last year, played quite a bit, uh, was undersized, beefed up a little bit. He, too, was disruptive at times. But the guy around the Big 12 that nobody's talking about because he's been off the radar after being injured right before the season started is Khalid Duke. And he's playing a hybrid linebacker defensive end spot. He kind of comes in as the Sam linebacker when they want to be in that alignment. But he is a defensive end. And he's going to come off the edge and rush. uh, And people are sleeping on him in the conference. And he's another NFL-level talent that this program has cultivated from it's, you know, sometimes underrated uh, recruiting and as they develop players that turn into something special, keep an eye on Khalid Duke. I think K-State's front seven is going to be very dominant and disruptive throughout the season on the defensive side.
1: When they're good, that's always the case too. There's, there's men that just move you out of the way and get around you and find the way to the quarterback. So that's a good sign here. Um, Let's kind of go away from the generic questions here, keep one specific that I can't ask to other reporters because this one's going to be uniquely about Kansas state here too. We'll talk about the head coach, uh, Chris Kleiman. I think a lot of people understand what he's accomplished, what he's meant to the teams that he's coached in many ways, a really fine fit as a successor to Bill Snyder because of culture pedigree and all that stuff too. I'm not saying that he's painting the same strokes, but it certainly looks like that. He's got the same artistry potential here. Um, And this is going in a certain direction. This just feels like the year we're going to find out how good this guy really is. And we know he is good because of the national championships. He was a part of in different capacities in North Dakota state. Let's not put the national championship expectation on him here, but this is a team that a lot of people like as a sleeper for the big 12, If you win the big 12, Hey, who knows? You might be in the college football playoff, but the collection of talent, the development of talent, the way he's kept teams together, it it seems like it aims towards something at some point. This seems like a, a formative year for him as the head coach and with this program.
0: One of the things uh, that Bill Snyder did so well on the offensive side of the ball was always kind of readjust. When he came in, he was running the spread. Older fans might remember that. He ran the spread at K-State when he arrived with five wide. Michael Bishop came along and went to the quarterback run game. Colin Klein kind of continued that. And, And then he went to more of a power running game in his final years. Chris Kleiman's showing an ability to adjust on the defensive side, which is his forte. And he was a very traditional four-man front defensive coach coming up through the ranks when he was at North Dakota State. And then when he became the head coach, they ran that. Last year, they moved to a three-man front. And they did it solely for the reason to, you know, kind of try to defeat the way offenses are built in this conference. So they went through some growing pains there. But now they, by season's end, we saw it against LSU, that defense is, really knows what to do. They've got good guys on on that defensive front, particularly. Uh, You know, Daniel Green at linebacker is is one of the better players in this conference that people aren't talking about, although he was selected first-team All-Big 12. Uh, And he also recognized that they were having offensive problems, and he fired his best friend. His best friend was Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator. And uh, there wasn't a brutality about it. There wasn't a cutthroat mentality about it. There was uh, a real sense of, look, I'm in charge of this ship and I got to make a really, really tough decision here. And then after pondering it, he elevated Colin Klein, who I think is probably going to prove to be one of the brighter offensive minds in the nation and, and put on a short path to head coach if they have success on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Talent, not really an issue. Um, Really, on either side of the ball that I see this year, and you've enumerated some of the explanations why with the first-team all-conference players, but they're young, they're veterans, they're skill position players, they're trench guys. Um, this could be an easy one to answer for you, Tim. Uh, who are we keeping an eye on as far as difference-makers, game-changers for the Wildcats? Well,
0: everyone knows Deuce Vaughn. Everyone knows uh, the quarterback. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, they've got great young offensive linemen. But one of the things that didn't fully function in the previous offensive system was the receivers. They just weren't getting the kind of touches, and they weren't being developed the way they needed to. And I think Colin Klein reinvigorated that room at the Texas Bowl by getting them involved. So keep an eye on Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks. Guys better known for their their punt and kick returning ability, but also can be really exciting after the catch as receivers. But also keep an eye on Sammy Wheeler. I think K-State's had a couple of pretty good tight ends through the transfer portal the last few years, and Briley Moore and Daniel amadur Uh And I, Sammy's a converted quarterback who just kind of grew out of that position at 6'5", and <clears throat> continued to grow and fill out. He's got an NFL-style tight end body now, and I think he's going to be a key part of this offense, and nobody really is speaking – the name Sammy Wheeler around this conference, but keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be heavily involved in what Colin Klein wants to do offensively.
1: You see some field stretching here. And with the the stuff that Vaughn brings to the passing game too, that ball could be spinning around a whole lot this season, which leads us to this last topic. We end where it all begins in the big 12. That of course is the quarterback position. This one fascinates me, Tim. Um, You think Colin Klein, you don't think Adrian Martinez. Um, This is going to be fun to watch because, I think a lot of people expect there is going to be a bright mind in that room. And then what whatever we saw about Martinez at Nebraska, it might not have been the best fit. It might've been some of him. There's talent there for sure. Right. But they're also not bereft of talent at the quarterback position at Kansas state too. I'm assuming there'll be some competition. How does this shake out for Martinez or for the other people in that room? And and maybe even specifically for those receivers you just mentioned and for Colin Klein.
0: Will Howard enters his third year as a quarterback at K state. He got pressed into duty during the pandemic season as a true freshman, did okay, struggled at times. Came in last year when Skylar Thompson was injured, did okay, struggled at times. And all all reports out of camp are, are that he's really good in practice. He's just not been the same in games, which is a troublesome um, trait, but also it might just be a matter of he still needs to catch up to the speed of Big 12 football after you know being two years out of high school. So that's an interesting aspect. But they were concerned enough about the quarterback position that they did bring in Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, who we all recognize as a really athletic, talented guy who has been incredibly turnover prone. And if you ask people at Nebraska, he was turnover prone because he's not very good. If you ask people at K-State, he was turnover prone because he was always pressing to try to make the big play for a team that wasn't very good. And it's going to be sorted out, I think, pretty quickly. If we see Adrian Martinez go back to throwing off his back foot and floating the ball out there into you know coverage situations, then K-State's got issues at quarterback with him. But if Colin Klein, who wasn't known as a great passer, wasn't known as someone with a big arm that could compensate for things uh, by just zipping the ball in there, he had to make good decisions. If he can communicate that decision-making ability he had at quarterback to Adrian Martinez, uh, I think Adrian could thrive under him and also the fact that you do have Deuce Fawn. you do have someone that you can hand it off to flip it out to in the passing game and it can make a big play and take pressure off of you really I think could help him quite a bit not that he didn't have talent around him at Nebraska but it just never seemed to kind of fit into a big picture Uh, Adrian was the big picture they called they wanted him to do the stuff up there and that's not going to be true at K-State so I'm I'm just really intrigued to see how he uh, how he progresses and, of course, he missed spring football because he was injured. He caught up, you know, at the very end, he started throwing the ball a little bit. But so when he gets to camp, it's going to be his first full-on contact football in a little while and the first in the system. So they need him to be good. And uh, if he is good, uh, as we all know, if you're got if you good at quarterback, you could be really good overall as a team. And if you struggle at quarterback, and I'm not telling West Virginia fans anything they don't know, it can really drag down the entire team. So this is going to be very intriguing. Because Skylar Thompson made a big difference last year. Can Adrian Martinez step into it this year?
1: There are a lot of intriguing quarterback situations in the Big 12. You just rattled off two of them right there Um, West Virginia, Kansas State. Um, There's a lot of intriguing teams. There's two of them right there. I'd have a hard time thinking of one that's more. Uh, worth the pondering right now in July than Kansas State because it could be really good for a number of different reasons. But, hey, who knows, too. Uh, These two will see each other late in the season here, so we might know more about both than by them. But the good news is you have been prepped by Tim. No one better when it comes to the Kansas State beat and giving you the information we need. Tim Fitzgerald, thank you very much for your time. We will do this again soon.
0: We're going to find out a lot about K-State early because they're going to open at Oklahoma. Yeah. and uh, take on a, a former coach, a guy that a lot of people wanted to be the head coach at K-State, so maybe catching Brent Venables and the Sooners in week one of Big 12 play will benefit the Wildcats. So four weeks in, we're going to know a lot about the Cats.
1: And they're game 11, I think, for West Virginia. I don't, it's don't really crazy. Want to see that team late in the season any year, especially this year, too. But, <laughs> well, hey, now we have a, a good idea what to expect. Tim, thanks for your time. We'll do this again.
0: Thank you, my friend. Take care. The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big B's.